welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Vaughn, your HIV positive host. How are all of you doing? I hope everybody's doing well out there and wherever you are. I always say podcast land, but I don't really know what that means. Just hopefully wherever you are, you are doing well and happy and enjoying this fall weather that's falling upon us right now. It's really warm where I live. It's in the uh, it's low 80s today, and that's real typical of our fall weather. It gets really warm around the fall. I have many memories of taking my kids to pumpkin patches in tank tops and shorts, and we were just sweating our butts off. So yeah, but it will turn in November. It will turn. The leaves are already falling. All of that's happening, but um, the weather just doesn't really match uh, like a cool fall you know, autumn day. We definitely are on the uh, warmer side right now, but it will start to get cold in November. And that's when I'm going to dread going into the ocean and surfing. It's uh, not so much fun to surf as when it's freezing out. You know, when it's warm out, it's just an amazing thing. And we don't get a lot of that because typically during the summer, the waves aren't always as good, but they've been, we've had some really good swells lately. It's been amazing. So, um, Today, today, I am going, sorry, I need to turn my phone off, see who I have a message from. I'm actually conversing with my HIV infector. Should we just play the message? Let's just see what he says. Let's just see. No, it's good to hear that and those emotions because I think I, wow, that's actually the first time I've actually had someone say what it feels like to be cheated on. So uh, I guess my ex was trying to rip her insides out and and uh she had no love for me i assure you she was enemy number one keep me away from the kids at all times kind of woman but uh i deserve some of it for sure asshole number one (laughs) well just jumping in right there. So that basically what was just transpiring there is I was listening to or actually commenting on, I've been telling them for the last two hours that I'm going to do my podcast. So I'm like, sorry, I'm yeah, I'm getting ready to do my podcast. And then I kept procrastinating because I was looking at comments from a TikTok post that I had done, I think in the end of September, and I really hadn't ever responded to all of these comments that people had made about being cheated on. And so I wanted to respond to them so they knew that I had acknowledged that they had written something to me because there was a lot of people who were supporting my decision to leave and they also had been, you know, had gone through this kind of betrayal as well. And, you know, they all said the same thing, like, you can't get over it. It is almost impossible. There was a few that said that they got counseling and they were able to continue the re- relationship. But in general, mostly everybody said it's it's the next thing. Like, somebody said something about the Bible and it's, like, right below, like, death. Like, killing somebody, like, it, because it kills your soul. And it absolutely 100% did. So I was telling Eric that when I found out, and, you know, I might do a podcast getting more into, like, how this all sort of happened and what happened. <laughs> yeah. How much, how much can I give? Yeah. I, I'm, I might anyways. Um, I'm just sort of like tiptoeing around it cause I'm not sure how much I should share, but the, the emotion I'd never been cheated on before that I'm aware of, but this was the first time feeling this, um, kind of betrayal. And um, I was explaining to Eric Cutter that the feeling is like I just wanted to tear my insides out. Like, that's how bad it hurt. It hurt. It was the deepest pain. I felt like I collapsed. Like, I had to go on uh, out of van. I was having, like, anxiety, like, 
breathing and like it's very embarrassing but the cops were called one day because i was crying in my car so hard my mom couldn't find me i wasn't answering my phone i tried to teach an online class for four hours not teach it but i just had to sit there while they did a google classroom assignment and that whole time and this is kind of right when i first found out um i was building up this energy inside of me uh, and i was just it's like you can feel it in your throat like sitting right there and you know you can't let it out and so you have to just sit with it and it was building and building and as soon as the class ended I went into my car and I let it all out and I've never it was like animalistic I've never felt that bad in my whole life I could just like curled up into a fetal position and cried and cried and I couldn't talk on the phone to my mom I hung up I don't even know I dropped the phone somewhere in my car and I was wailing and um about my mom couldn't get a hold of me and she tried calling my daughters and I don't know. No one seemed to know I was in the driveway in my car. I don't know. I was so like not really paying attention to what I was doing. I was so just feeling this trauma and um, just going through that emotional, you know, ride that was happening at that moment. And uh, all of a sudden there's a tap on my window and there's two police officers there. So that was incredibly embarrassing. I had to open my door and say, look, I just found out that my spouse cheated on me. I'm just having a suit. Like I'm getting upset. Like I'm not going to get upset about this because I don't, I'm upset about that whole how that made me feel because it was really, really super freaking traumatic. And I had to like explain to them, I'm not going to hurt myself. I just was in my car. I didn't know my mom was calling me. I think I turned my ringer off. So she was concerned that I was, that I had done something or something had happened to me. So, cause she knew that I was really upset and she knew what had happened. And so anyways, you know, they left. It was really embarrassing. I'm sure my neighbor's next door probably heard me crying and um yeah I've never had that feeling before and so um yeah I'll I might go into how that all made me feel and kind of why um it didn't end immediately and uh you know I did try to make it work but I just couldn't move forward so that led me to the separation in May well really we were geographically separated in March mid-March and then by mid-May I was realizing that this was not anything that I could do anymore because once that trust is broken you know when you are living a long distance relationship with somebody that is the most important thing is this trust and um, you know I know he didn't want this and he was incredibly remorseful and sorry and people are asking what did it happen well we were separated for eight months during COVID that was really difficult on both of us. Um, so that was really basically what led to it. Had we been together, I don't think that that ever would have happened, but it was a sort of a circumstantial thing that happened. Some people on TikTok were like, well, you obviously didn't satisfy him enough. I'm like, I did what I could do as far as like FaceTiming. Like I did as much as I could do to keep him happy, but you know, he slipped into something that he didn't intend to slip into. And, uh, it happened. So anyways, I'm moving forward and I have been dating, I guess, if you can call it that. So I, oh, first of all, I wanted to talk about the reactions to the interview with Eric Cutter, the one, my HIV infector. In fact, my doctor, my doctor saw the video. Hi, Wendy. If you listen to my podcast, I don't know if she does or not, but um, I guess she does still watch my YouTube channel. That's crazy. I just saw her yesterday and she said, um, she goes, I watched your video with your HIV infector. And she said, I think that that was so well done. And he was so brave, uh, definitely 100% so brave to do that. And um, she just said, you know, it really put a face to HIV and it showed that there can be compassion 
and remorse, obviously, and that it shows that he's not like this, you know, devil that we all kind of, everyone, well, not me, but everybody was sort of thinking he was. So I've had mixed reactions, um, mostly good. I'd say most of the reactions are really good and people are grateful that he did it. They're really glad that they can see who it was and that we had a relationship and that, you know, I loved him very much. And, you know, I would say our banter is very playful, very flirtatious still and fun because that's how it always was between us. And um, I'm really proud of the video. I think um, it turned out well. It's more than I'd even expected. I think that he was... Um, you know, as open as he could be. And, you know, he didn't have to do that. You know why he did it? He did it because he said, it's the least I can do after what happened and that I gave this to you. I mean, he said, it's something he thinks about every day. This isn't somebody who just went on his happy way and found out that he transmitted HIV to me. You'd have to watch the interview, but, you know, he never in a million years thought I had it. And he just went on thinking it was only him he thought I'd been contacted and assumed I just tested negative and never talked to him again. He had no clue. And he said he was, you know, he was doing drugs after we split and he got his diagnosis. He said he just went, you know, like he said, you have to watch the video, but he's kind of hiding behind his hands. Like he said, I just did a deep dive. You know, he was living in his car at one point. And so when you're in that type of lifestyle where drugs are foremost for you, you're not thinking about that there's this possibility that you gave HIV to somebody. You're like, just dealing with your own shit. Um, you know, obviously not living the best lifestyle. And so it, it was a complete shock to him when he got my phone call, you know, two and a half years later. And of course we never really talked much because, um, I was in a relationship with Eric. It just felt disrespectful to talk to the other Eric too much. And so, um, I really let it go. But like I said, um, you know, even during the interview with him that I just got this feeling, I just wanted to call him. So yeah, I didn't even know if he was alive. I had no clue. I had no clue that he would answer. It was so weird. I just, I, I don't know why I looked him up through social media, couldn't find him. And then I'm like, I think I have his number still. So I text him and he answers back. And within like a couple of minutes, we're, we're on, we're on the phone together. I was like, wow. Like I honestly didn't even know really with him <laughs> and the way he has been since I've known him. I wouldn't have been surprised if he had died, um, but it was good to hear that he was healthy and doing well um, at his parents' house, you know, where he's um, about four and a half hours from me. So, um, yeah, and some of the bad comments, which he won't see, is that people think he's sketchy or that he's a liar. They don't trust what he's saying. They think he's hiding behind his humor, which he completely said that he was. He said, you know, I do that. I try to be humorous or whatever when I'm feeling uncomfortable or awkward. So he definitely said that that was the case. He'd never even done a Zoom ever. Like the way that I recorded this was so crazy. He was on um, his parents iPad I think they don't even have a computer in their house there's no laptop or computer or anything so it was on an iPad that didn't support any audio so I you know was using my phone um to I don't know if I talked about this in another podcast I sometimes I like I talk about it on one thing and I don't remember where I shared this already but I had them through the speaker on my phone that's how I did the audio so it was kind of crazy but um yeah I did share it on the beginning of that other podcast but anyways um yeah, he. D I thought he did a fabulous job, and we are actually going to meet tomorrow um, for the first time since 2013. It's been, wow, eight years, and we're going to meet and do a live through YouTube tomorrow, and so <laughs> I 
you know, by the time you guys hear this, um, we may be meeting actually, cause I'm going to try, try to have this out tonight, Saturday night. Um, let's see, I have some notes here. I just, you know, I really want to emphasize that I think it was incredibly selfless of him to do that interview and put his face out there and be the face of the infector and the villain. Basically, I, I give him so much credit for that. And I wish people would just, just in that alone would give him some credit instead of finding little things to nitpick about. Um, but I'm really grateful for his willingness to do it. You know, he's somebody with HIV. He's living with stigma as well. He's living a healthy life. You know, he's not doing drugs anymore. He's taking his medication. And I, you know, I give him credit for that. And just being out on a public platform like my YouTube channel and my Instagram and everything and being okay with me showing his face and all that is really respectable. And oh, and he also really wanted to do it to help anyone else out there who's struggling with their diagnosis. So that's what he's doing right now. He's uh, meeting with people. He's very involved in his like um, parents' church, I believe. And he he works with a group that deals with um, men who are coming out of jail and transitioning back into the real world. And like he goes one-on-one -on -one and talks to a lot of people. This is all voluntary stuff that he does. Um, and I there's a group that he works with where he does this. And he you know goes one-on-one -on -one and talks to people who just feel that they have no hope left in their life. And he tells them his story about like how he had hit rock bottom, you know, living in his car, doing drugs, having HIV, um, and, you know, transmitting it to somebody that he loved very much and like how he's trying to be a better person and give back to people who have felt where he's been. And he doesn't even have a relationship with his four kids. Like this is like affected that relationship. And that's something that he has to live with every single day. They've chosen not to be in his life. And I can imagine how hard that is. He understands that he is responsible for most of that um, and why they would not want to have a relationship with him. But he is willing to try to make it work at some point if they are. So I can't imagine how hard that would be. Um, okay, a Cabanuva update. Um, this is, um, I was like I said, I was at my doctor yesterday and she and I discussed the pros and cons of Cabanuva. I thought it was going to be a grand slam. I thought she was going to go, yes, of course, we're going to do Cabanuva. But see, here's the thing. So of course, it's an every month shot at this point. So I'd have to go and it's two injections and one in each upper uh, flank. Is that what they call it? Your upper butt, like your hip. And um, basically, it, it can be administered by her or her nurse practitioner or the medical assistant, but uh, they don't really know, you know, you know, the day that I come in, if I'm going to be seen within 10 minutes or an hour or whatever, they just don't know, depending because they have a lot of um, new patients because all of the HIV specialists with um, Palo Alto Medical Foundation, PAMP, have now left the area or they've retired. So my doctor is like the only one in the area, unless you want to go over the hill, which is like the San Jose area. But um, so they just got like 50 new patients. I guess my point is, is that like if I went in for the shots, I might not be seen quickly. And so that's something to think about because like how fun is it to go to a doctor's office once a month and like it's hard with my schedule. They're not open on the weekends. I work basically the whole time their offices are open and then when they close I'm kind of done with my job. So like I can't take time off my sub job. That's just not a possibility when you're subbing. You have to be there the whole time. They don't let you leave for an appointment. It doesn't work that way when you're a sub. You have to be there the whole day. Um, so there's that. And then she said, you know, the other thing is, is that 
um, there probably will be more of these coming up down the pipeline. So she said, you know, there's drugs that were like all the rage that we don't even hear about anymore because they were replaced with this drug and that drug. Strybild was a good um, example of that. And I can't really explain why it kind of faded into the limelight. Is that the right term? Faded away to nothing? Maybe that's better. Anyways, uh, people don't even take Strybild anymore. But when I was diagnosed, it was one of those that was kind of like a frontline indicated drug for HIV. But um, it made me really sick. And it was supposed to be one that had like no side effects. And I like took it for like three days. And I was, uh, and we don't really know if it was for sure from that or if it just where I was with my my AIDS transition out of my um, pneumonia and trying to get better. There's a thing called iris. I don't know if I experienced that. It's like where you actually get worse before you get better. Um, and it's you don't want to start your ARVs too early when you're trying to get over your opportunistic infections. You'd have to look up what it is. But I may have suffered a little bit of that. But when I started Strybuild, I was like dry heaving all day. Like uh, that day was, I felt like I was on my deathbed and you know how bad it feels to feel nauseated and dry heave nothing. I mean, all day, like I was, I remember laying on my bathroom floor and I could barely even sit up. It was so pitiful. And I remember Eric looking at me and he went snowboarding. I'll never forget that. I was like, I, he didn't really have much to say about what I was going through. So yeah, I never really shared too much of that, but yeah, he, um, yeah, thank God my mom came to take care of me. That's all I'm going to say about that right now. But anyways, um, so the point is, <laughs> reel it in, Jennifer. So the point is, is that that medication, she said there could be something down the pipeline that will be even longer lasting, like two months or three months or whatever. So she goes, let's just wait for now um, and, you know, see. She said she would do research on it, and I was fine with waiting. I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to come every month, honestly. So um, she's like, you know, and why do you want to do it? And I was like, well, partly because I want to be a guinea pig for my audience. Like, I really do. I want to be able to do this and say, hey, this is how it is and this is how it feels. Um, but I don't know why that doesn't seem like a really good answer when you're sitting in a little office with your doctor alone. <laughs> it seems really like it's not a strong argument, honestly. So I said that I would be fine just waiting. And then, you know, we talked about Devato and I, I kind of like... It was never a big deal when I missed with Triamec because I would just always still be undetectable. But recently, I have missed in the last month Devato. I got busy for whatever reason. I don't know why I take my pill in the middle of the day. I'm starting to change that. So I'm taking it an hour later every day until I get it to the hour that I want to take it. So I am going to be pushing it to like 10 o'clock at night, I think, or 9 o'clock. Because that's when I take my melatonin and I take my gabapentin for my restless leg syndrome. And I do take an over-the-counter CVS sleeping pill every night, and which is just, I think it's just the antihistamine or something that's like in Benadryl or whatever. So, but I do take those at night. So I'm just going to move it up and like take it then because I've been taking it in the middle of the day. Like when I'm trying to like transfer from like ending my day at one school and running to the after school program and then I don't have water with me and I'm like, I'll just take it when I get to there. And then I'm get busy when I get to the after school program. And then all of a sudden I've hit stop instead of snooze and it'll be in the evening. And I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't take it. And so I, I did do that about three times and my viral load went up from zero to 25, which still is nothing, nothing to be alarmed about. Um, I'm not having sex with anybody anyways, but it wouldn't be transmittable. So anything under 200 for U equals U purposes is still safe. And of course, I've always explained that's an extremely conservative number with regards to transmission. The number is definitely higher than that. And I know I'm not really supposed to say, but I always say I've heard it's at least 2000, like if it got, but that's not going to happen with a blip or anything like blips don't go over 2000. That's for somebody who completely 
completely stops their medication and isn't taking it anymore. It would take, you know, a while for it to get up to that level. And some people might not even get up to that level very quickly. They might have some kind of like, you know, immunity that they kind of like keep it down to an undetectable level. Everybody's different, you know? So anyways, I was at 25 and I definitely said that that was because I didn't take it those three different nights. It wasn't all in a row or anything. It was just within like the last month before I had my blood done. And so she just said, okay, so here's the thing. You're on Devato. There's only two drugs. There's not three anymore because Triumix 3. Devato is the same thing as Triumix without the Abacavir. So it's just Dilutegravir and Lamivudine. So she said, when you're on a two drug regimen, you can't miss. She goes, because that drug pressure, she said something about the drug pressure. She said, that's all it's doing. It's just putting the drug pressure there. So if you alleviate that a little bit, it's going to start coming up right away, meaning that the, the virus will come out of those latent reservoirs and start to, you know, show up in your bloodstream again. But otherwise, you're at a zero, remember? Like, I try to explain this to people. Like, people are like, well, you have HIV. Oh, you're transmissible. No, I was at 507,000. I'm at zero now, like zero. It's not in my blood. It's not in my free-flowing blood at all. So I test as a negative person. But of course, it's still hiding in these reservoirs and cells that it stays hidden in there and dormant as long as I'm on my medication. So it doesn't affect me or anyone else. And that's the same for anybody who is HIV positive, taking medication and undetectable, which, you know, I haven't heard anybody who can't get to an undetectable status that I've not seen that yet. It, everyone who goes on medication becomes undetectable. So, and of course that's called U equals U, undetectable equals untransmittable. Okay. So that's some good information about the, um, the drugs that only have the, you know, the pills that only have two drugs versus three. So you've got to be incredibly compliant, do not miss and take it every 24 hours. So, and I'm not concerned or anything. I will always, you know, be very stringent with my medication, but it was good to hear that from her that, you know, you might've had more wiggle room with the three drug pill, but with the two drug, you need to be really like, she was, she's very conservative too. And she was like, kind of like, don't do that. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, let's see. What else did I want to tell you guys? Okay. So there was, this is really what this episode is about, um, are the three men that I disclosed to and how it went. So um, these were three men that I met through Tinder. Uh, and I will tell you about the first one down South. His name was, uh, it was funny. He went by Dizzy online his real name was Jason and he's down in Huntington beach and we just struck up a conversation. I, apparently he comes up here to this area and I'm not worried that he's going to hear this cause well, I'll tell you why in a second, but well, he's not going to watch. He doesn't, he's not into my social media at all. Like he wasn't even interested a bit and I gave him links to my stuff and whatever. I didn't, I don't think he even opened them up. So anyways, um, he comes up here, you know, once a month or whatever, cause his son goes to school at some Naval Academy and, um, like near San Francisco. So he stays at a friend's house kind of near where I live, but you know, we hit it off. I would say we had a lot of common interests like the skateboarding industry, snowboarding and, and all of that. And, um, I just long story short, it seemed like he, we were really physically, I was going to say sexually, we were really physically attracted to each other. I would say, I thought he was pretty good looking. I mean, he was my age going to be um, 51, like in another month. And, you know, he was lean. Um, I could tell, you know, through his clothing that he looked like he was a tall, lean guy. 
and he had like a grayish nice trim beard and but he had a lot of baseball hats on in his pictures so I wasn't totally sure what was happening underneath the hats um, I did see hair sticking out from the hats like I you know that could go either way <laughs> and uh, you, you know I, I definitely like hair all over the top part of the head as well so um, anyway we definitely were flirting. We had a phone conversation and that went well. We had a lot of, like I said, a lot of common interests and stuff, but I was definitely realizing that I was hardly doing any talking. I was listening a lot. There was a lot of sharing, you know, how amazing he was basically and how cool he was and all of that. It was a little much. And there was all the, I was, red flags were like, I think of the flags in my son's football game and they're just, you know, I'm throwing the red flags on the field. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. It's feeling a little narcissisty here. And so I slept on it and I thought, well, we'll try again. So in the morning, very sweet. Good morning, sunshine. So nice to talk to you last night. I'm like, that's nice. So I decide I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, it's sort of this litmus test and I didn't care either way because at this point I was like, yeah, I just want to see how this is going to go. And I don't want him booking a flight to come up to see me if I'm having these sort of weird like feelings. So I sent him a really well-written real clear, like, this is what happened to me. I was in a relationship. I didn't know I had it. He didn't get it, you know, that whole thing. But I I do have HIV, but I can't transmit it. Um, I just really need you to know that this is, um, you know, part of kind of who I am, but it really doesn't affect me at all, except I am an advocate. And so I do like all these different things through social media. I included links and all that. And then he's radio silent, like three hours. I'm like, well, um, yeah, so your silence pretty much tells me everything I needed to know. I didn't want to do that. I really, really, really tried to hold off, but I was every minute that went by after about an hour was really bothering me. Like it was like you can't even say anything. Like I thought you were pretty easygoing. Like I know this guy had been sort of a drinker in the past. He's definitely someone who's dabbled in drugs, although he was clean now. Well, no, he's well, I wouldn't say clean. He was growing a, uh, in his, well, he found out he was living with a friend, living with a buddy, as he put it, which, you know, that like, well, why don't you have your own place? Why are you shacking up at a friend's house? Like, that's not a good sign. And anyways, they had a grow room or a garage full of plants that they were basically selling weed. And he mentioned something about, the uh, power in the area that they're all under the grid or something like that. No one knows that they're like, I don't know somehow they get free power and like the city isn't aware of it. Some sketchy stuff. Right. So I was like, "Eh," you know, but whatever, I still wanted to hear his reaction. So I wasn't getting anything. So after three hours, I could no longer take it. And I say, your silence is obviously clear. It's really a shame that, you know, you're going to judge me on this, you know, or whatever. I sort of came right at him. And right away he writes, no, 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 no. He goes, I got your message. I'm so sorry. I've been busy working. Sends me a picture right away of where he's working. He's doing some outside landscaping somewhere. And yeah, I'll call you like, and then he's very much like letting me know his time frame. I'm going to get a hold of you as soon as I can. And, and we'll, I'll talk to you. Yeah, no worries at all. And so I get on the phone and I'm still sort of like nervous feeling like I'm going to hear this. You know, I don't, I'm not into that or whatever. Nope. Like he didn't say anything. We got on the phone and I kind of explained a little bit more. And, uh, he just said, yeah, I'm not tripping. Like I have no 
you know, people who have had, had HIV or, you know, like I know, I think, uh, his experience with it was more like people that had gotten it through drug use. And so, and he said a little bit, like he mentioned, like, um, just going to like, uh, oh, what do you call it? The bar, not the bars, but the places where they dance. Um, um, I can't think of it where the men dress up as women and they dance in the clubs and like, he's all down with, you know, anyone in their lifestyle and, um, drag queen, the drag queen shows, and he's fine with anybody in their lifestyle. And, you know, he's very, you know, open-minded that way. And that was pretty much the rest, the end of the discussion about it. And then it went right back to him and I'm realizing I'm doing a lot of listening. And, um, I would say by the end of that day in the conversation, I looked through my phone and looked at the messages and he had sent me probably roughly 15 pictures of himself, never had asked me about anything, really, at all. Basically, he wanted to show me all the pictures of his tattoos, you know, how cool he was about this and that. And I realized, like, when I look back at all the messages, there was 15 unsolicited pictures of him, nothing, no D-pics or anything like that, but just pictures of his, kind of like his body and stuff. Like, I didn't ask for these. And, um, there was not one question other than, can I call you? That was the only question I got. So this was either someone who was really, really lonely, um, and excited about somebody who might be into them, or this was just somebody who is always like this completely narcissistic and doesn't really see that they are this way. And, um, so the next morning I just said, Hey, I've slept on it. I'm really sorry, but, I don't want to move forward. I said, I've given this some thought and yeah, I don't think we're a good match. And he said, wow, I, what a bummer. He goes, I'm so sad. I, I did not expect this at all. And I was really sad because I really thought we connected and I'm like, yeah, you were thinking you were connecting with me, but you weren't asking me anything about myself. Like I had sent him links to my YouTube channel and just my podcast, I think, or my Instagram, I don't know, but he never said a word about any of it, like nothing about my advocacy. Like he might've said like, wow, that's awesome. You're doing that. But I don't think he even opened the links. And so, um, and I don't need a big pat on the back at all, but one question would have been nice. There was nothing. And I felt like when I spoke, he was only thinking about what he wanted to say next because the second I like and I just could feel it. Like I felt like I had to rush what I was going to say because he wasn't really listening. And then he was just going on and on about him and you know, how cool he was and how funny he was and how he did the tramp stamp on his back before it was popular. And he calls it the champ stamp. And I'm like, that's not sexy. I'm sorry. Like, and like he took a picture of his tattoos and on his legs below and he had two different socks on. And I said, Oh, you know, did, did you take that picture today? And he goes, no, that's an old picture. He wanted to show me the tattoos on his calves. And I said something about the socks being different. He goes, oh yeah, I started that trend years ago before it was cool. I'm like, whatever. I don't like, I don't know. It's such a turnoff that, you know, you want me to believe that you're all these really cool things. It's like, like I said, the unsolicited pictures of his body. There was one in cowboy boots. It was headless. And, uh, I, he had a great body for his age, but, I didn't ask for it. It was like, you know, with one foot up on the bathtub and I just, the whole thing was like, Oh, I said, Ooh, I wasn't expecting that. He goes, Oh, sorry. Probably too soon. Like, yeah, don't do that. Like women don't want that. And especially a D pick. No girls want that at all. Like for any of you men listening to this, no girl wants a picture of your junk. Like that's just, 
it's so, uh, I was going to say it's like a slap in the face. And then I think of like a wiener hitting me in the face. But anyways, it's just nothing we want to look at in a photo. It's not in person is fine, but not in a photo. So he did not send me that, but I think he kind of alluded to like, Oh, I'll be sure not to. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you've got plenty of those lined up, but please don't. So anyways, that was the end of that. And he didn't bother me after that or say anything. So, and I apologize if you hear this, but really this is why I couldn't move forward with this. So it had nothing to do with the way you looked or anything. It was just personality. I just felt like he wasn't into me. He was into him wanting me to be into him and he needed a lot of validation and it was just a total turnoff. So, all right. So that was one, but again, somebody who did not care that I had HIV. So that was good. Um, here's my second one. So this person, we had connected again through Tinder and I don't think I'm going to use, I'll just use his Tinder name. He went by Richard and I found out that he, you know, like after our kind of back and forth that he was only in town a couple days and it turns out he's touring with a band and he's the drummer and he didn't put his age. I didn't know what his age was um, until I met him uh, like the day before he told me it was 59. So if he had put that his age in his Tinder profile, we would have never matched because I don't have anybody above 53. So in that way, I felt a little catfished. No offense if you're listening to this, but I kind of did. So I, because he was 59, um, you know, so that whatever, that's fine. So we, um, we met up, oh, before we met up. So he sends me, I, as things got more like that, we were going to meet up. And I think he felt he trusted me more. He said, look, I want to tell you who I am or whatever. So I was like, Oh, what? So this is cause I could, I looked up like local shows and like who might be playing and like, I was trying to figure out what band he was with and all that. So he sends me a link to his YouTube channel and it said, you know, that he's a drummer. And so there's some videos of him drumming and stuff. And I, right away, I hear a song from the talking heads and I'm like, Oh, he's playing talking heads. What the f is he like the drummer for the talking heads? Like what the F? So I write to him. I'm like, you're the drummer for the talking heads. Like I write back, what the F? And he says, well, no, David Byrne solo for many, many years. And also Paul Simon. And like, he's going to play for John Bon Jovi this summer, like solo stuff, not jump, not Bon Jovi, but John Bon Jovi. So he is, that's his job. Like he's definitely a professional drummer. Um, he's been doing it for years. So that was really like right down my alley. Cause I love music and you know, I could talk music all day. And so that was like intriguing to me, intriguing to me. Hello. Um, but really like, well, whatever. So when he divulged that to me, I was like, Ooh, I've got a secret too. You know, that's right where my mind went it was like, I have a YouTube channel too. Like I really like all of a sudden wanted to share it. And then I went, Oh damn, well, you need to meet me first. And he goes, why? And he goes, tell me, he goes, send me the link. And I said, uh, well, I can't because just, it's better if you get to know me first. He goes, well, I'm going to get to know you anyway. And I'm like, oh, he's right. I'm like, okay. So I send him the link to my channel, but I leave him I think, no, I said, can I call you first? That was it. So he goes, of course. So we get on the phone. Hi, how are you? I could tell right away, easy to talk to. And I, and I got nervous. I was like, you know, and here I know kind of like this probably won't go anywhere. I, but I still wanted to meet him. And because, you know, he doesn't even live locally. He's like in New York that's where he lives. So I start, and I even told him, I said, oh, I'm like nervous. I said, okay. So I tell him my story. Like I try to wrap it all up in a minute. Like this is what happened to me, you know? So this is who I am and I'm an advocate now. And you know what he told me? 
his brother died of AIDS in 1985 before there was any treatment. So here's someone who's totally been touched by HIV and he didn't care. Didn't care at all. Didn't again, did not trip. So, um, I was like, wow, like that was amazing information. I mean, that really blew my mind and it made me realize that this disclosing again, you have no idea who's been touched by HIV or AIDS. You have no idea. And so, and he said, you know, in the music industry, he's met a lot of people. And, you know, he says gay men or he's people who have used drugs or whatever. And he said, so, yeah, I've, I've known people with HIV who are living, you know, totally normal lives. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the discussion didn't even need to go on. It was like I explained it and then that was sort of it. I mean, there was really we didn't even go into any more detail or anything. So the date was totally still on the next day. We met up. I actually drove him around because I know the area and he wanted to he had not seen much of Santa Cruz. He loved this area, but he really didn't know it well. So I showed him the whole, um, like kind of beachfront area. We drove around, we looked at the surfers at, um, West cliff at steamer lane. I mean, and it was a great day. Like the surfing was perfect that day. So it was really fun to like look down and you see the surfers right there. I filmed it on my Instagram a bunch. So, um, it's just this amazing view. You're like literally just like feet above these guys who are like catching these waves. It's really fun to watch. And, um, and then we went to a restaurant and he, said he was going to order oysters. And I have to say I was having a great time for sure. Like we never lacked conversation. He's funny. He was like super easy to talk to. We had lots of things to talk about because we both love music and just, there was never a lack of conversation. It was just really fun. So I was really enjoying myself. Honestly, it didn't feel like a drag or anything or stressful. It felt laid back and easy, but I noticed he was doing a lot of uh, touching me like, you know, with his hand or whatever in the middle of a conversation, like definitely feeling me out for that flirtatious vibe, I would say. And I really didn't feel so much like I was going in that direction. And it's nothing about him. I just didn't know him well enough. So I just wasn't able to give that back really, but I was friendly, of course. So we go to this dinner or this uh, restaurant that's in Capitola. It's like, I mean, we couldn't have got a better seat. It was almost like a TV show was going to film us and they put us in the most optimal seat ever. So we walk out onto the balcony and we're, the sun's coming down. We're looking across the river, which is this, you know, the, it's where the water goes from the mountains into the ocean. And right across the, like the other side of the river is like more beach and these uh, rentals. And in Capitola, if you know Capitola, there's these rentals called the Venetians. And it's kind of like three levels of they're multicolored. Like they're, it's a very neat, I even have a painting of it because it's just this really neat, um, uh, I don't know, what, how do you describe it? Not landscape, but it's just, it's just this hotel that goes along the beachfront there. And they're just, like I said, each rental is painted a different kind of bright color. And so anyways, it's, it's a really neat thing to look at as you're sitting at a restaurant, you know, as the sun's going down, like, and they had heater lamps, which made me really happy because I get cold easily. And we were in the high seats with the high table and it just felt super festive and fun. It almost felt because I was a local that I just got this preferential treatment and got this perfect seat. It was kind of crazy. So um, we sit down and you know, we end up talking for so long. We actually don't even order for like 30 minutes. And then I finally ordered a drink and he wants to order oysters. 
And I'd never had them before. And I was like, uh, <laughs> and again, my HIV, um, status or whatever, like was never even brought up. I felt absolutely 100% normal. I didn't feel like I had HIV or anything, or I'm a girl, you know, that's got it. There was, you know, I just felt like I was just Jennifer though, which, which is really nice. And so I said, well, if you order the oysters, I will try one. Cause I've never had one. He just thought that was fabulous. He's like, I freaking love your attitude. So he orders the oysters, they come, you know, I've seen what these things look like on a plate. They never looked like anything I wanted to try. I always thought they looked disgusting. And um, so, you know, I did the, the cocktail sauce on it. I did the horseradish, put the lemon on it. And I thought, well, how bad can this be? I watched him do it and he seemed to eat it really quick. I mean, whatever. What I thought is that the, these things were like really chewy, like a tongue. I thought that you can't bite into them but that's not the case at all. So you can, you can bite into them. They're soft. So I slid it down my throat. I put it on my Instagram story. I said, do you mind if I film myself doing this? I said, I've just never had one before. So I think this is kind of fun to like share. And he didn't care at all. Of course, um, I didn't put him on it cause I didn't know if he was comfortable with that. And I didn't want it to be like weird or whatever. So and because he doesn't do that kind of stuff. I don't even know if he has an Instagram. So I slurp it down and it was freaking good. I'm like, this was like super good. So I ate, I don't know, we split them. I had four and he had four. So we wrap our evening up. And like, as we're walking out, I know he wanted to like check our heights. So we, you know, no, 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 let's go back to back, back to back. And, you know, and I'm thinking about him while we're sitting there eating, by the way, first of all, is that I'm like looking at him thinking, could I kiss him? Obviously those thoughts are going through your head because the end of the date's coming. I know he's been flirtatious. <sighs> how do I feel about this? I don't know. You know, I'm, I don't know. I'm, it feels forced for me to like, feel like I'm going to be able to make that next step. So, but he did put his glasses on at one point and I thought he looked actually really cute with them, but I still didn't know how I felt. So we go out to the car and like I said, he wanted to check our heights. I think he just wanted to, uh, touch my body. <laughs> and so we go back to back and I do know that's for sure because he said something later to me that he wanted to rub his body against mine. It was a text that came to me. But anyways, driving back to his hotel and oh my God, I pull up right in front of the hotel where the doors are like it couldn't have been more obvious of a hint that I was not going up with him. It's like I was dropping him off. And, um, you know, he said, well, it's like it was just after nine o'clock. And he said, I know you have to work tomorrow, have to get up early. I mean, I could invite you up. And I was like, like that just felt so I know he yeah, I don't know, like a man, I guess maybe can just go from not knowing anybody at all to going to this place where they want to have sex with somebody. But I was like, not there at all. Like I, it was like meeting a, well, it was, it was a complete stranger. And like three hours later, I don't want to have sex with a complete stranger. Like I just, no, that wasn't in my head at all. So I had to say no politely. And, and he was like, not a problem. You don't have to explain yourself. He was really nice. And then, um, he said, well, at least can I get a kiss? And I'm like, well, what are we going to do? Say no. So I say, okay. <laughs> like, shit. So uh, I got a kiss. It was a peck. And then, I don't know, I just felt stupid because I, again, just felt, I don't know, I get why a kiss was fine, but I still didn't feel like totally comfortable. I don't know why. And then he asked for one more and I said, okay. So there was one more. Uh, there was no tongue. It was just like a kiss. And then he said, well, have a good evening. I mean, he was a total gentleman and I feel bad. Like I do kind of feel bad, but I couldn't, I just couldn't give more. I wasn't ready for it. And I just wasn't feeling that I wanted to give myself any more than I already had. Like that to me, I was just, it felt very 
like fun as like a friend and somebody knew that I just got to know and that's where I was at. So um, that was it. I drove home and, you know, he said that was a really nice kiss and he enjoyed my company and, and then he wrote something on my YouTube channel and said, I really want to kiss you. And that was really late at night after his gig. So I think who knows if he had had a couple drinks and just wrote that. But anyways, I said, well, I think you kind of did. <laughs> so anyways, I heard from him one more time and then it's been pretty quiet since then. So I guess that's the end of that. I mean, I would totally talk to him again and be friends. I think he's really nice. Like I said, he was super easy to talk to. So, okay. That was Richard, but not his real name. His real name is actually really cute, but I'm not going to say it. Um, and then, okay, where am I now? Oh yeah. So this is the last one. This is the last person I spoke to. And it was also this week. I also talked to him on Tinder. He's somebody that super liked me and I swiped right on him because he was in good shape. He was a little bit older than me. He was sort of locally, you know, here locally. But something about his profile to me felt very intense and sort of uptight. So it wasn't, I wasn't too sure about it. So I let him pursue me. I wasn't so much into pursuing him, honestly. So, and he did. I mean, we chatted a few times and I know I wasn't being more of the one who wasn't really responding so much. And then... I thought, well, you know, here's my test. I'm going to just throw out my diagnosis and just see what happens. And you know what? If he ends up being fine with it, I might all of a sudden like him so much more than I kind of was feeling as far as a vibe at this point, which was just through text messages. And I think it wasn't even through our phone yet. Or was it? Maybe, yeah. Well, no, no, no. It was through Tinder and then it did go to the phone after. So I share with him through Tinder. I give him this long message, basically the same one that I gave to the guy down in LA. And I say, you know, this is something really important you need to know about me. And um, so he writes back and he said, you know, I never expected that a person that I met on Tinder would like give me this gut punch on, on like today or whatever. He said, this is just like, and I'm like, oh boy, this is not good. And he said, so here's the thing. He goes, I watched your first video and he said it was good. Okay, good. And he said, and then I watched your welcome to my channel video. And he said, I'm 19 seconds in. And that's when I show the pictures of myself sick on either side of me. And he said, and I fell apart. He goes, and I started crying because he goes, my dad died of AIDS 30 years ago. And I'm like, I'm getting emotional reading this. I'm like, oh my God. Like I just wanted to like see him in person and hug him and just like um, tell him how sorry I was and oh my God. And like, and so I said, my gosh, this is crazy. Like this is so emotional, my God. And um, I felt like we had this really great connection right away because it was like, I don't know. It like, obviously, and he said, thank you so much for being an advocate. And I was like, wow, wow. So yes, immediately changed my view of him. And I thought this is a guy I really want to get to know. And I said, you know what? I, I, I really want to meet you in person. And he goes, I definitely want to meet you too. And we'll make that happen. And then nothing. And my girlfriend said, you know, she thought we were going to be talking all night and he never wrote anything else after that. And the next day, nothing. And I'm like, like, I don't get it. I thought that this wasn't a problem. So I was really close to saying something. 
because I was starting to jump to conclusions that he maybe had looked into this more or whatever. But you never know what anybody's doing on their end. They've just got a busy life or whatever's going on. And that probably was what it was, but it seemed weird. The silence felt weird after this big emotional revelation between us. You know, I really thought that there would have been more conversation. So he does finally reach out. And it was ironic because like literally when I was going to send him that message, I got a message from, there was somebody else that messaged me almost at the same time. Well, my friend Nick in Australia messaged me like almost at the same time. And I was like, that's a sign not to send it. And then somebody else, I was like two people, because I was kind of like really kind of going down that like, oh, something's not right. And then I have these two people that sort of drew me out of that feeling and I didn't send it to him. And then what do you know? He ends up sending me a message, just a very general like, hey, how's it going? What's happening? You know, uh, how are the waves over there? Whatever. I don't even remember what it was, but it was just a just checking in message, whatever. So we start having conversation back and forth again. Um, Nothing too much, just more like surfing. I think he'd gone surfing in my area that day. Uh, I don't know. For me, the conversation just was lacking something. And um, I kind of, I really thought, and I I know he didn't want to make it about my diagnosis because he said, I really want to get to know you more, not because of what I just found out about you, because I want to get to know you. But he's really, I don't know, like there was a couple of, a few red flags in some of the information he shared with me about what he's looking for in a woman. It, It felt very specific and it felt like, he just felt too intense for me and I wasn't getting anything lighthearted and stuff. And I know that he was going through, you know, something, well, a recent divorce. And it seems like it must've been a long-term marriage because he had teenage daughters. And I just, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it totally. And then, um, I sort of asked him a question that I don't want to share here, but I will tell you that it wasn't anything, um, obscene or anything. It was just, um, thoughts on, Gosh, I don't want to say it. I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Anyways, we are very not like-minded on some things. And that was the end of it for me. I said, I need to know how you feel about some stuff. It's very important for me to know this. And we definitely are on different pages. And so that I said, well, good luck to you. Like I, I basically got everything I needed to know And I felt like when I asked him this question, he came back with a lecture towards me and it felt like kind of like a slap in the face. And so that was enough for me to know that this was not anything I wanted to pursue at all. So we never met in person. But again, three people, three disclosures, all fine with it. So that's that's the important lesson from all of this is that it's giving me confidence too. And, you know, I was just talking to Eric Cutter about this. I said, you know, I don't even want anybody in my life. Like I don't want a boyfriend. I don't want anybody invading my time with my kids. I think it's just, I don't, I can't even explain it. Like, yeah, I'd like some physical intimacy with somebody at some point would be great here and there, but I don't want the full relationship at all. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I want to get laid too. I mean, Jesus Christ, I've been with one person twice since March. That was it. You know, like I'm not in a relationship. I'm not getting it every day. Like this is, you know, we have needs too. So yeah, I definitely would like a little action here and there. And so 
if that's what I get from Tinder here and there, so be it. But I don't really want anybody. Um, I don't want all this emotional stuff. I don't want to have to worry about whether I've texted someone or they've texted me or how much we've communicated. I don't want to deal with all those little things that, oh God, he said that and that bugged me and now it's sticking in my head all day. Like I freaking am so over all that. Like I don't want to deal with that. It's such a relief not to have to deal with that at all anymore. So much so that I don't even know than I ever want to be in a relationship again. Honestly, like it, it's takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of energy and you're, you're, it's just like a mind F all the time. I'm not even getting paid for this podcast. It's a mind fuck all the time. Right. I mean, sometimes it's amazing and it's wonderful and beautiful and you're so happy you're with someone and it feels safe, but my God, there's something in that safety. You lose something about yourself. And I did. And I lost a lot of like my, I don't know. You just feel like you're kind of like in this little cocoon and you can't get out and explore. There's just things that are like, there's a girlfriend that I talked to in New York, talked to her every single day. How the hell did I not talk to her every time Eric was here? I lit and she totally understands that. She's like, Jennifer, that's everybody that gets in a relationship. But I miss her. Like, I can't believe how much I neglected our friendship when he was here because I just didn't. Well, what was I going to talk to her about him? I mean, I, I wasn't going to like talk behind his back or anything. So she and I talk about men all the time. And we have this really fun, really, we love it. I mean, we're both dating. I don't think she's ever going to end up with anybody either. And it's going to be this, you know, we're just these two women that are testing out dating. Like I started watching Seinfeld again and it's so freaking appropriate to where I am in my life right now because it's all about these weird quirky things with people when they're trying to date. And it's like, you know, and they're all these, you know, make it or break it moments between people. And there are so many things that you're just like, yep, that's it. I'm done. Not moving forward with that person. It's almost a miracle, literally, that relationships do even happen because, I don't know. I just, for me, I, a lot of things have to go the right way and I have to be, there's, you know, I, you can overlook things at some point because you do start to fall in love with somebody. But I think in the beginning, so many things have to go the right way. My God, sometimes if they just do one thing a little weird, you're like, oh, that's it. I can't, I'm done. Like maybe they, you know, they talk funny or they walk weird or something that just turns you off where later on those things you don't even see. But in the beginning, all of those things are like blaring at you like a neon light. If something weird happens, you know, they say something that you're like, oh, I would have never said that. Why did he say that? Like, and then you, you think about it and you like rack your brain and you're just like, dude, I don't want even want to deal with this. I'd rather just be alone. So that's sort of where I'm at now. Alone is great. The online thing is fun. And I'm probably going to sign up for um, Plenty of Fish. And there's another one. Um, I'm off of Hinge. I don't want to be on that anymore. I know I took a screenshot yesterday during an Instagram live um, that somebody told me like other ones that I can go back on to. And I was like, you know, why not? It's fun. I mean, I don't mind meeting people. And I, like I said, I mean, if I end up meeting somebody who's fine with my diagnosis and we both want to be just, you know, physical, then fine. You know, I'm all for that, you know, but for right now, you know, I mean, like I'm flirting with this guy on my Instagram. He found me. Um, he's of course in Australia, what's new. Um, but you know, he's hot AF and I finally figured out, like he said something to me and he was inquiring about my Tinder dates. And normally I would not engage with somebody unless I found them attractive. And I did. And I was like, all right, what's your story? You know? And so, yeah, we're flirting and it's 
fun and you know that satisfies something in me you know it's nice to be um admired and to feel that someone's looking at you and thinking you're hot he's you know how much younger is he than me he's uh seven years younger than me and he's very fit and very beautiful and i'm like i said how did you even find me turns out that he was like having an hiv anxiety thing like years ago and he'd found me and lexi gibson who's in los uh, los uh, Vegas. And he said, I found you two girls. And, and, uh, anyways, he said, so I, I don't know if he lost track of my stuff or whatever he goes, but I'd been following, like he owes, I know your story. Like I followed you through your marriage and all of that. I was like, Holy cow. How did I not see you? You like were flying under the radar on my Instagram. Cause I never noticed you until just recently. But I think he just recently started commenting through my stories and it was like, and you know, it was really funny. I thought he was gay. And so I, he had, he had given, uh, one of my stories was about Edward's cyber homo recently. And he sent me a 100 or like a clapping hands for it. So I forwarded it to Edward and I said, you should follow him. He's hot. And maybe, you know, maybe you guys can hook up. Like I had no idea where this guy was located or anything, but Edward wrote back to me and he just put a huge, like, you know, LOL, LOL. He goes, he's straight. And again, I'm like, oh shit. Oh damn. So then, you know, like the next day he like, does another like reaction to one of my stories. And I'm like, all right. And then he asked me specifically about my Tinder dates. And I'm like, well, I've completely talked about these before. Like, you know, I'm like, you know, like it's out there. I've totally talked about my Tinder stuff. So I'm like, like, why are you asking me in a personal DM, you know? And then I sort of felt him out more and realized that he was indeed flirting. And um, that was, yeah, (laughs) fun. So you never know. I mean, he's never been to California. I've never been to Australia, but you never know. It's nice to know that there's a handsome man out there that I might eventually meet. You never know. Yeah, he's definitely, definitely my type. Super sexy. Okay, guys, uh, that is the end of my podcast for today. This was episode 34. I can't believe it. I'm already up to 34 and I've had so many like amazing messages from people from like TikTok that recently found out about my podcast. So thank you guys. If you're coming from TikTok and you're just finding me now, I have seen your messages and they make me feel so good. I've, it's crazy that I'm getting more messages that people say, I love your podcast. Like it's not your YouTube channel. People are saying they love my podcast. I'm like, Oh my God, they're finding it and they like it and they're listening. And that just makes me super happy. All right, you guys have a great rest of your weekend and a great rest of your week. Again, if you want to watch the YouTube live, it probably, I don't know, will be happening tomorrow. So if you guys hear this podcast tonight, it's going to happen tomorrow live. But if you miss it, it will be uploaded to my YouTube channel and you can watch it thereafter. So yeah, I'm meeting him tomorrow. I'd love to film us like actually getting the first hello hug. I'm going to try to set that up. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it would be fun to film like us seeing each other for the first time. He said he's really nervous. I'm not. I'm more excited. But it's kind of funny. Like the roles have reversed because I was always nervous to see him. So excited, nervous, all of that, where he was totally like not in that place. He's like, yeah, whatever. Come on, Jen, come down. Like he was, he ruled the relationship. Okay, guys, have a great week and we will see you soon. Bye-bye now. Love you guys. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.